y'all. I'm Meg Kirsted, and this is the Black Sheep Playground podcast. We're here to have some fun, learn a ton about how to actually be a human, and question the idea that there's a right way to live your life. Because I'm pretty sure there are a whole bunch of ways to thrive. So let's go play. Hello, everyone. Um, Welcome, and uh, this week we're going to dive right in, and um, I invited Danielle Savory onto my podcast to talk about ADHD and sexy times, um, because I've heard from some of you that the ADHD affects how you get to experience pleasure. So Danielle's an expert in this, and a friend of mine, and and also neurospicy human, so um, I'll let her introduce herself. Yes. Thank you. So yes, I am a sex coach for women. I also recently, my primary care physician was like, yeah, pretty sure. I haven't gone through the rigorous testing of ADHD, but you know. <laughs> You're nervous, there. my feet for uh, sure. Uh, yes. Yeah. And you know, what's so fun about it is learning this now, I realize like really looking back on the curriculum. So I'm a master certified coach. I started going through coach training back in like 2015. Before then I was doing mindfulness talks, meditation, mind body sort of things for like women's circles. Um, and my background's actually in neuroscience. That's what I studied formally. I know. Another reason life. I love you is the fact that you're a scientist. <laughs> the nerd in me is just like, oh, yes. yay. She's, she's all the things so I love. Um, so, you know, what's so funny now, like understanding this about me, understanding things about neurodiversity. And of course, we're like continuously learning so much more. It's like really coming out. Um, how much of my curriculum and the way that I have coached other women was through this lens because it's what I struggled with that I didn't realize was for the neurodivergent human being. Like I really didn't realize the tactics and the tools and the practices and the way that I talked about it was for that because I didn't know that's what I was experiencing or what I was going through. I was just like, doesn't everybody experience this? And then I was, as I was talking to friends, I'm like, everybody needs this. This is going to make your life better. And they're like, but that never happens to me. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so maybe it's not all the things for everybody, but it's so interesting when you kind of look back and you start to realize how many of these ways that we have figured out how to be in the world and do these kind of quote unquote, normal human things like have good sex. That is actually because I was working with a brain that wasn't landing in my body the way that I wanted to. So, so what are background. some of, yeah. What are, what are some of the things that you thought everyone struggled with that you realized might be a little different? Um, well, number one is just like distraction during, you know, I think that's a huge one is distraction during, especially when you're into your person and you're like, why wouldn't I want to be doing this? Like, obviously this feels good. Obviously this is fun. Obviously this is way more interesting than something I'm going to be doing afterwards or to the to list or like the heater that keeps going on and off in the background or like this itchy tag from the lingerie <laughs> or whatever it might be. Right. Like obviously what's going down on between my legs is way more fascinating, but I couldn't figure out why my brain was so like thrown off by all of these things. And so really like starting to like 
starting from there, like beginning to create these tools and tactics to see where was I getting, like, I call it leakage, like where was my focus being leaked out into these other areas? So the first place that I started was just like my environment. Like if I was going to be having sex with my husband in a particular environment, were there little things that could help me? So of course, in an ideal world, we would want this like beautiful, like sexy, sensual sanctuary. I have two kiddos. I've got a dog. I've like, this is a dual entrepreneurship house. Like this, that's, that I also realized was like playing into my perfectionism. And that's great when we could. And when we go to a hotel room, it's awesome. Like the sheets are clean. Everything's nice. I'm not distracted nearly as much, but how could I recreate that in my real life? So there were some like very small things and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but one of the things I always, you know, hope my clients get on board with is the scheduling of sex. And, but one of the reasons is so that you can prepare, right? Preparing your body, preparing your environment, preparing all these things. Like if I know I'm going to be getting it on with my husband tonight, I'm much more likely to take my dirty socks and put them in the hamper. Like it's a very simple thing, but it's like, I see it when I come up or I see it when I'm opening my eyes and it distracts me, right? So it's these little things. I'm like, oh, I have five minutes here. Let me like pick up, close the drawers of the dresser. That was something else that would catch my attention. Like just these small little things that I could do. I also get cold really easily. That's like a, something else that our brain can get distracted by. So I make sure that I turn the heater on a couple hours before we're probably going to go up there. I keep my socks on. I make sure that the bed is at least not wrinkly because the wrinkly sheets would bother me. It's like all these small, like little things that I started to learn, like, oh, there's another thing that I'm thinking of, you know, noise. So one of the things is um, I, you know, especially if you're highly sensitive, sensitive and easily distractible is like headphones. Like a lot of people are like, I don't want to have wear headphones when I'm having sex, but it's like, why not? If that allows you to be in your body more, it's totally worth it. Probably nothing that you really need to hear your partner saying. Anyway. <laughs> and you can still hear them. I'm just joking, but right. Like it's like these little things or blindfolds or white noise. If white noise isn't too distracting to you, like all these small little things to set yourself and your environment up to like create as little distractions as possible. Of course, we're still going to have them in our brain, but we can minimize them in our actual just contextual environment. I, I of course love that because I'm a big proponent of like making, reducing the difficulty setting is, is how I yeah. think of all this. It's like all the sensory input is just making things more difficult. Doesn't mean you can't do it. Doesn't mean it's not possible, but you know, seeing the dirty sock on the floor increases the difficulty of staying focused and focused on your body. So yeah. all, I love all these practices. It certainly makes me think of like limiting sensory input. Um, yes. because, um, I actually talked about this yesterday a lot, so it's on the top of my mind, but of how we, we think the ADHD brain has fewer filters, um, sort of, you know, more data comes in or the filters are a little wonky. Yes. So, so you have to be thoughtful about like the information you're letting into your mind. And it makes me think like when I'm close like when I'm thinking hard, I close my eyes. When I, mm -hmm. um, when I'm really trying to focus on something, you know, I want to turn off the sound. So 
for experiencing pleasure, like it makes sense that we have some of these practices that emerged organically, like blindfolds, like, you know, being in these very sort of quiet, chill environments, mm -hmm. because it allows us to actually experience the pleasure. Exactly, exactly. And, and there's so many other things like, you know, I think people, you don't have to do all of them, but even just one. So think of it really, again, if it's like a hose, you know, I like to think of a hose and if you just have your water turn on full up and the water just has no kinks in the hose, no leaks, then that's going to create your most orgasmic experience. But we all have little kinks and we all have little holes in that hose, but even plugging up one of those holes is still going to create more pressure going through the hose. So it doesn't have to be all of them, but if we can minimize even one thing, so maybe sight for you. Another thing was like brushing my teeth because yeah, the taste and the smell, I like that. But also like if I get something stuck in my teeth, that bothers me. Oh like, my I God. Can't I can't not. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I cannot sit there and go fiddle with it as annoying as it is. And I know I shouldn't be doing it, but I'm like, oh, with my tongue. But it's there. Gotta get it out. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. Yes. And the reason I was thinking of that is because I have like a nut stuck in my teeth right now. It's <laughs> funny, a nut, but not that kind of nut, like actual almond, um, but, but like stuck in the cracks of my teeth. And it was distracting me from even having this conversation. And it, and it just reminds me like, these are sort of the things that I have created for myself and made this list for myself so that I can have the best sex, so that I can be really present, so that I can you know, even be more present with my partner, not just my own body, but the entire experience that's created in this erotic vessel that we're, you know, embarking on. And I think that's so important, especially with the ADHD brain and high sensitivity is where are the easy ways to minimize, you know, if it's sight, then blindfold, if it's sound, headphones, earplugs, white noise, something like that. Uh, one of my clients was super distracted because she was afraid her kids were going to hear the squeakiness in her bed. And so they were trying not to like do all these moves because the bed was squeaking. And I was like, well, could you just fix the squeak? And like, that's literally all it took was like, her husband spent five minutes like <laughs> tightening a screw and the bed stopped squeaking. And she was able to like be more present because of the squeaking, but also because she wasn't worrying about being heard. So it's like that, you know, to start with is just the easy ways that we could really support ourselves and support our brains so that we can experience more pleasure. So all of this is like prep. What about stuff that's yeah. happening during that might provide a distraction? Your, your thing being stuck in your teeth made me think of like having hair in my mm -hmm. mouth and how that yeah. is pretty much one of the worst things to ever happen to me ever. Um, and how it's impossible yeah. to get back into things when that's there. So what do you, what do you recommend for when that happens? Yeah. Well, I think there still is some prep work involved and that is coming up with a strategy ahead of time to be able, when those things present themselves, to be able to handle it without being like, what should I do? What should I do? Because that again is another distraction. So creating like a mental strategy or like a go-to shall the like assuming these things will come up is so helpful. So it's like, if it's something in my teeth, if it's something being, you know, like that's distracting me on my body, whatever, it might be, how am I going to handle it? You know, and for each person, there's going to be a different answer to that question, yeah. but really allowing yourself to not make a big deal about it. I think that's the biggest thing is we think that all of these things are 
really distracting for the moment, or they take us out of the mood. And that's what I hear so often, you know, even if it comes to like, oh, well, I need a little bit more lube. And then a lot of my clients are like, but that just takes away from the mood. I was like, only if you let it, if you just assume that, you know, getting a couple more pumps of lubrication is totally normal. And this is part of the experience, then it's not distracting, but we have this idea in our head of what like this perfect, sexy experience looks like based off of like false media representations of what actual good sex looks like. And when we realize this is all part of it, it just doesn't become that big of a deal. So you come up with a strategy ahead of time, but really the main strategy is I'm going to have my own freaking back. Like if I need something in that moment, like there's a hair, it's like, Oh, I got a little hair in there. Hold on. Just sec, take it out. Don't make a big deal about it. Get right back into the business of whatever you were doing before. Maybe the thing that got the hair in your mouth in the first place and just dive right back in. <laughs> it's not even worry. Right. But I think it's like, we make it be this big deal. And that is really what takes us out of the mood, not the act that we would take the five seconds or less to handle the situation. That really makes me think of all of the times where I've gotten so in my head about like, this is going to make me look unsexy or feel unsexy or, or essentially get the other person's head out of the moment when of course it's my head that's getting out of the moment and they probably haven't even yes. noticed. Like yes. most of the time, it's not even, not even something that, um, whoever I'm with is paying attention to, but I'm the one who totally. gets getting anxious because of course I am. Yes. Cause that's who I am. Um, yes. So when you're thinking about people who really get up in their own head, because we're talking about sensory stuff and, mm -hmm. and you know, highly yep. sensitive sensory input, which is one piece of it. But I think the other piece, which you already alluded to, is that like getting up in your own head about things. Mm -hmm. yeah. What, what did you notice yourself that made you think, wait, this is something that I, I want to start paying attention to. And I want to learn the skills, um, to not have this happen. Yeah. Well, I think for me, I mean, really, I was really introduced to like how insane my brain was on a like a regular, any given moment was when I first was introduced to mindfulness and I was dealing with chronic pain and chronic health issues. I was basically bedridden for two full years and I was desperate to find anything to just like help myself feel better. And my best friend, made me go to a yoga class. And this was before yoga was kind of mainstream. I also live in Portland, Oregon. So it's like pretty hippy dippy granola. Anyway, I was like, stop for me. But I went begrudgingly. And I, the instructor, because I told her about all my pain, and I couldn't really move. She's like, just lie there, just lie there and pay attention to what's going on. And try and think about doing whatever position or body that I'm saying in your mind. And just really, if all you do is focus to, on your breath, that's all you have to do. Focus on your breath going in and out and notice when your brain wanders. I didn't even know how nuts my brain was until that moment. I was like, holy shit, this is like the most crazy festival you've ever seen. And it was like somebody needed like to show me that there was like this st like stamp in the ground, like an anchor, which was my breath to be able to see all this other stuff going on. And that for me was really like that first moment that then I started noticing it in all these different places. And sex was a huge one that I noticed it in was that like 
craziness and all the things that I was thinking about and where my brain was wandering and everything else. And my breath to this day still is the thing that helps bring it back. And, you know, of course, because we have these special brains, we love novelty. And so creating our like creating this bridge of a novelty and creating curiosity with the way I prompted my brain made the breath not feel like this boring everyday in and out familiarity. So it was like, oh, like where am I noticing my breath wants to go right now? Or how is that moving in rhythm to my partner's movement? Like just these like questions that help my brain be like, ooh, what's this? Like we get to go on a little problem solving adventure made it so much better that it wasn't just like, just be with your breath, just be with the in and out. Cause that still was distracting and it still felt familiar. So like creating a level of curiosity to get my, my attention back in my body in a way that worked for me, because just the in and out didn't feel as enticing and exciting enough for me. So I have found all these different prompts that work with my brain, but it's really creating curiosity and kind of problem solving for it. I fucking love that, especially because I totally relate the number of times where, where people told me to like focus on my breath over the course of my life. And I wanted to like stab them in the face. Um, because that's, that's my internal reaction to most things. I'm not a violent person, but I'm like, (laughs) no, I don't want to focus on my breath. Um, but learning essentially the, the, variation and novelty in it is part of this. And um, I have found other anchors. Um, I do, I actually do like meditating now. There was a very long period Mm -hmm. of time where I tried to meditate, even though I hated it. And I was using techniques that didn't work for me Um, because a lot of them were very much the like in and out, in and out, and just notice your thoughts and let them drift away. And it like, for me, that just doesn't work. Um, But the anchors for me that often are really helpful are actually my fingertips because there's Your so much yep. sensation there and you can move them around and you can feel different things. Um, are there any other anchors that you, you've seen people that you work with find particularly helpful, particularly when, when they're having sex? Yeah. I mean, the main one is just your vulva. Like that's where like the first webinar that I taught like eight years ago was like, get out of your head and into your vagina. And, you know, that's really what we're getting to. Sometimes it's hard for, especially if you're socialized as a woman to access this part of our body, because we've been taught to disconnect from it in so many ways. So, you know, we use the breath as like a Uh, a pathway to that, right? So it's like, ooh, how, like, I like to imagine that my breath is actually touching like my inner vagina. Mm -hmm. And so I will follow it because we know technically it's not getting all the way down there if we're studying biology, but you can feel it. You can imagine it and using your imagination to feel like each in-breath is like expanding that part of you. And each out-breath is maybe like, you know, constricting around and like playing with that sort of like sensory. But I think that actually focusing on the places that you're either being touched or the places that you want the sensation to be amplified is really where we're trying to go when it comes to pleasure.
pleasure and sexuality. And just to like shout, you know, to like put myself out there, I for sure have been the person that's like, follow your breath and watch your thoughts and all that (laughs) stuff with like meditation. I just didn't realize, like, I wasn't just doing that. You know, you don't realize that till later until people started asking me these questions of like, but is that really what you're doing? I was like, oh, that isn't actually what is working for me. I created my own technique when I heard those words. But to me, I'm like, oh, it's just the words. Like, oh, we can just follow the in and out. Oh, you. So if you're like, I have a meditation of Danielle's that says go in and out, please know that, yes, there is. Because for some people, that works great. And other people like me, I have just gotten really creative about what those words mean and how can I follow the in and out? Because if I'm just focusing on the in and out, like how can I? For me, it was like the nostrils, like what's going on in the nostrils, temperature, like seeing in these other places, like the fingertips, I've definitely used that, like the vulva, where my partner is touching me, where I can feel their breath on me. That's Mm. like another thing, paying attention to their breath. Sound can actually be a really amazing anchor So listening for the sound of your breath, listening for it to get heavier, listening to the sound of your partner's breath. So if you don't have your headphones in, that's another place. If you do have your headphones in, your breath gets a lot louder to you because you're hearing it from the inside now. So it's like all these like little ways to, you know, find the places that really work for you. It is interesting as you say that, and it makes me think like how much of being, having a different nervous system really is about taking stuff that other people tell you about how to do something and subtly tweaking it for yourself. Like, I think that's 90% of what I teach is essentially that. Yes. How to think like that, how to essentially like hear, hear the wisdom in what someone else is saying and leave the parts that don't work for you and take the parts that actually do work for you. Um, Cause there is wisdom in listening to your breath but you have to tweak it a little bit for your unique configuration Um, because we all have Mm -hmm. different contexts and literally different brains. That's one of the things that just gets me so excited is like we have different wiring and that's true of everyone regardless of your nervous system configuration. Like every single brain is different. So figuring out the things that work for your body in your nervous Mm -hmm. system is like one of the biggest gifts in the world and learning that like there's nothing wrong with the fact that you have to adapt it just means you're a unique human which guess what all of us are yeah yeah and it's kind of fun because it's like guess what our brain actually really likes to solve problems so here you go (laughs) one of the most frustrating like little adventures it's like the easter egg hunt right so it's like ooh, well let's see if this works so let's see if that works like those are the things that give us the dopamine hits and so it's like why not use that to our advantage when we're figuring this out so one thing i i i have to ask this because otherwise i'm going to forget even if i take a note on it but one thing that i know you're a proponent of is not just focusing on orgasm and sex Mm -hmm. which i feel like Mm -hmm. as someone with adhd I am both impatient and I both, you know, am looking for something to focus on. So, right. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think that one is, it's, 
really tricky and it continues to be tricky because it comes up every time, especially when you figure out another way that works for you. So it's like when you finally do unlock that thing and you're like, oh, I followed my breath and I was in my body and I had the most orgasmic experience by nature. The next time you go, you're going to try and recreate it. Of course, because it felt amazing. (laughs) And it was mind blowing. And like you, your ears were ringing for like a half an hour afterwards because you were so altered, right? So it's like, of course, like it's understanding, like, of course my brain wants to go there and like just recreate. But the thing that we realize is that in the recreation of it, we are falling, we're going away from the novelty again in the trying to recreate it. The one thing that actually worked for us is not the main ingredient anymore because now we're like, like we're remembering, we're trying to keep going. Right. So it's like, that actually isn't the thing that, that did it last time. It was your curiosity. It was your seeking for novelty. It was your attention to like different sensations and details. If you're going back in and trying to do the same thing, you're not in that place with all of those three main ingredients anymore. Now you're just trying to redo. That is that so good. Oh, I love that perspective. Yeah. That, that definitely just blew my mind of like, if you're trying to recreate the same thing, you're, you're essentially distancing yourself from the thing that your brain loves the most. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. So and I think the other thing is like, just to like, also give ourselves compassion, like duh, of course we want orgasms. Like we don't have to pretend we don't, but we also know it's just like, you're running a business. You want money. Like, duh, like, We don't have to make this a bad thing, but we also have to ask ourselves, but is me focusing on that thing, creating it, right? So for most people, it's like when you focus on it, you get grippy in your body. You stop getting curious. You're trying to like pressure your way. And I have tried to have orgasms in a lot of different ways. And let me just tell you, like the grippy pressure, whatever, maybe, But if I do have an orgasm from that place, it's like, (laughs) it's like, 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 okay. I mean, I guess I'm getting some endorphins. It's like a blip in a radar. Yeah. Yeah. It's like literally a blip. Like, wait, did that happen? I guess. Right. So (laughs) it's just understanding that like, even if you go that way, it's normal, it's natural. And also it's not going to create it. So coming back to the sensation, coming back to the curiosity, coming back to, you know, the novelty of that particular day, because you are a different person, you are feeling different emotions. You are experiencing sensation different in that moment and using that to your advantage to help you lead to the orgasmic promised land, but not being focused on it. Yeah. It's one of those very frustrating. So I, I always think of this as like one of the Zen truths about existing with this type of brain is like the best way to get things done is almost always to not worry about the thing getting done. Right. Right. Which is so, so I it's mean, like, it's both Zen it's and both also deeply, deeply frustrating. The oh. number of times I've had clients like want to throw things at me probably because I've been like, yeah, you got to stop worrying about that. That's not how I say mm-hmm. it for the record, but you know, it, yeah. it's, that, like, it's like the only way you're going to get through this is by like letting go of the fact that, that it may not happen or it may happen. Yep. Just letting go of that control and moving forward. And to p- particularly people who are anxious, who are perfectionist, who are, who are very yeah. focused on the end results, 
it's very frustrating that that it's lack very of frustrating so I think lack but that's of- why like it's like using that care that anchor right it's like yeah. okay so if I'm not going to focus on that that's why I'm saying come up with a strategy ahead of time like I will be paying attention to when my brain wanders and then I will bring it back this is the way that I'm going to bring it back. This is what I plan on focusing on. So having it like broken down and like that simple of a framework gives your brain like, oh yeah, remember we're not thinking about the orgasm. We're coming back to our body. We're doing this, we're doing that, right? Like, so now you have your exact go-tos that you can focus on. So even though that's there, you can just place it aside. I love that, especially because having a backup plan always seems to make my brain much happier because it, it's, it's not yeah. like there aren't times when I don't want to do that thing that whatever the backup yeah. plan is, or that I do something different. In fact, probably 90% of the time, it's not even totally. needed, but the 10% of the time having that like strategy to go to means I always get to have fun. I always get to do. Yes. In, yes. in my case, it's like, like I'm putting thinking, like a oh, post-it note. Yeah, yeah, like I have a post-it note on my on my computer right now, right? Because I have some things that I want to focus on today, but my brain always goes to all the other things on my desk or my plants or my dog or like, oh, maybe I should write this. And then I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Remember we were going to do this yes. circled thing up here. It's the same kind of thing. You know, it's like we see all these things and we'll get m- mixed up in them. And then we'll have something like, oh yeah, remember brain? I know you we wanted actually to wanted that, to do but... that thing on the list. And if there's something yes. on the list that you don't actually want to do, that's a whole separate issue. And uh, yes. and we, we could talk but about pretty that. Pretty soon we all want to have this circled focus on our sin- our sensuality while you're having sex. So that uh, one's pretty yes. easy. Like you're that like, one oh, yeah. seems like a pretty, pretty <laughs> obvious kind of like circle that's yeah. going to go on the list. Yeah, yeah um, totally. So speaking of lists, this is probably a good segue to talk about scheduling and time because I know that was one yeah. that we absolutely needed to talk about because um, people people who who are dopamine driven have interesting relationships with time and scheduling and planning. So, um, one, you've already made the case for why why scheduling is good because of the environment, but like why else, as someone who is so dopamine driven, living in the moment am I going to benefit from like scheduling time for pleasure? The the biggest thing for me that's been helpful is scheduling the time is because of the things I do to help prep myself for the space. So when I schedule, one of the biggest things for me is understanding that by scheduling it, it is going to be better. It will be a better experience. Like that for me has been like always the biggest winner because it's not that you can't like just let yourself go or do it whenever or do all those sorts of things, but also understanding that for a lot of us, and if you've been in a long-term partnership, if somebody is spontaneously coming at you, and I'm saying it like that because that's how it feels. It's usually you don't have a partner just like coming at you, right? But like, that's how it feels to your nervous system. Then then it's oftentimes the immediate gratification, that dopamine hit that you're wanting is going to be scrolling, is going to be sitting on the couch, is going to be like not the actual connection that keeps fueling your partnership and ultimately fueling your own body. You know, so it's just like understanding that 
especially if you've been in these long-term partnerships, seeing the novelty in your partner is really, really tricky to do. So if we create a container, we can at least see all of the obstacles getting in the way of that. And if you don't kind of put your, you know, your stick in the sand, you can't see all the things that are keeping you from getting there to start with. I, and I think that for like me is the biggest finder. thing. Yeah, it's like a yeah. thought finder, a belief finder, a feeling finder. It because yeah. it sort of it anchors it and real you get to look at like all the things that come up when that happens. Whereas obviously, if it's more spontaneous, it's a lot harder to pay attention to all of those things and sort of yes. work through them too. I mean, because part of it is if you want if you want to be doing these things, which most of us do, not everyone, but most of us want to be doing. You do have to like put some work in to like figure out either why it's not happening, why you're yes. not enjoying it, why you're not connecting with your partner or why you're not connecting with yourself. That was actually something I wanted to, to ask you about is like, you know, do you advocate for this? You know, if you don't have a partner or partners um, involved, it's actually, I advocate for it more to be, I know the answer. You know, it was a trick yes. question that I already knew the answer to, but <laughs> yeah, but I, but I think it's such a good one because a lot of women that will come to me that are, especially women that are in heterosexual relationships that come to me, there is so much socialization that this is really not for them. It's for their partner. And so, so much of this work is creating that space so that it can be something for you. Because if you're just like, oh, well, I'm just going to, or it's for them, or I'm going to, you know, I, you hear a lot about like the honey-do list, or maybe if they help me more, then they would get the sex. It's like, well, the only reason like then they would get it, you're thinking that is because you think this is something truly for them and not for you. So like, we're really flipping that entire narrative to create like, this is beneficial for me. This hack actually nourishes me. It creates reservoirs within me. It creates, you know, like I like to think of it as like this buffering system for when things are really tricky and they're really hard. Like this is actually what creates more resilience in your nervous system and in your brain. So that's actually, um, I, cause I don't know a whole lot about what happens in the nervous system. Um, like during sex, mm -hmm. when we orgasm after, especially in women, I know a little mm -hmm. bit more about men oddly enough, just because of, I think of the podcasts I've listened to. Yeah. But like, what are the, the benefits, especially cause I know there are science nerds listening to this. How does it actually help? And I, and based on my own personal experiences, I think it helps specifically if you have ADHD too. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I haven't looked up specifically yeah. how that happens. I mean, the way that I like to think about it is really creating like a turned on woman in general. So it's not just the act of sex, right? It is the things that we're doing to help prepare and create an environment in our body and our brain to receive pleasure to start with. That's where I see so many of the benefits happening. What some of my clients have described it as is like when they're scheduling or where they're checking in with themselves, how much desire they have for that, whether it's a solo session or a partnered session is such a perfect barometer for how they've been handling their to-do list, how they've been treating themselves, how they're, you know, speaking to themselves, where they're filling their list up with like the productivity and not like creating the space and time to just like be creative and be bored. Right. So it's like all of these things get brought up because our body is going to tell us very quickly 
if we're open to receiving pleasure or not. And so that isn't, I know the exact question you're asking, but what I see working with so many clients, the true benefit is, is because it requires us to actually check in with our body. And so many of us don't, and it requires us to pay attention to our body more consistently to get the shit off the to-do list that isn't lighting us up to be more in, um, like, I want to think of it as like a communion and a partnership with your body and with your nervous system on the regular. Otherwise these kind of like great sexy sessions actually aren't possible. They're not possible for you to enjoy at the level that you want. So that's like, the I think it's a better benefit. answer than, than what I asked for. <laughs> um, honestly, of course it is. Um, I love that because yeah, the body check-in thing. One of the things I really noticed in working with people is, I don't know if it's specifically the people I work with, or if it's, um, you know, this is, you know, just a part of, part of being a modern human in modern society, but so many of us are in our heads all the time. I'm one of those people. I mean, I am, people will literally describe me as cerebral, um, which means yes. I'm in my head, <laughs> like literally yes. all the time, which means like, yes, you know, especially coaches, you know, they'll ask you, how does it feel in your body? And what are these sensations of man? It really has been a muscle to develop, to actually be able to yes. answer those questions because I just am up here all the damn time. And I think particularly yes. if you have the fun constellation of like, you know, ADHD plus anxiety or something a lot that like really gets your brain amped up, you spend even more time there. So I love the idea yes. of having this be not even necessarily about sex and orgasms in that sense, but as a way to connect to your body, to understand how open you are mm -hmm. to receiving pleasure, especially because so many of us don't even know what it feels like. I, I yes. really have seen that a lot, which, you know, makes me very sad because uh, obviously yeah. pleasure is part of being, I mean, I think that is one of the parts of being human that makes it worth going through life yeah. and doing all the shitty stuff. Right. Right. So it's like, I, I had listened to one of your episodes. I don't remember which one it was, but you're talking about creating, you know, like space, right? Like taking stuff off your, off your to-do list and creating space. And like, that actually is the key to more productivity because we need that space and not this constant to-dos. And when I'm coaching women in order to have better sex, part of that is on purpose, creating that space to connect with pleasure, creating that space to like, what can I get off my list? So that pleasure becomes a priority. And so yes, the end goal is so that we can have this more orgasmic experience, but it's kind of just like this side back door in <laughs> to like really just feeling better and creating more spaciousness and getting out of our head in general. And the great way to see it and to use it as a measurement is through orgasmic experiences. That's the thing that I love about sex. It's like when you're running a business, right? Like the metrics of showing you like how things are working is kind of like where it shows up. Like the work that you're doing behind the scenes shows up in your metrics of how like healthy the business is running in certain type of metrics, not just money, but other things, right? Well, how you're able to receive pleasure and enjoy your sexual experience or receive orgasms really kind of does show the back work that you're doing, opening your body, dropping out of your head, like connecting with pleasure, being on your own side, like all these other things that we're, we're really doing. But beyond that, 
we're also wiring your brain to be able to tend towards the good. And so it's like when I was talking about in, um, you know, like when you notice your brain wandering and it's like, come back to like what feels good and good sensation and like those sorts of things, you're working the muscle to bring your brain on purpose back to something that feels good. And we're so trained to go to worry and to anxiety and to what's not working. Right. So you're actually rewiring your brain to be happier and more joyful. And one of the hardest places to do that is in the middle of sex because there's so many things going on <laughs> that being yeah, able to come are. back to pleasure at time and time and time again, right? And being on your own side and not being in your own head. It's like the hot bed, literally, of you know, the situation. So you're getting all of those feel good chemicals. You're getting that oxytocin, which helps you feel safe and supported. You're getting the dopamine that comes with like the reward of orgasm. And you're getting serotonin from this more drawn out experience of connecting with nourishing pleasure and not these quick dopamine hits. Yeah. And, um, that, that makes me think that like, I almost want to add to my life, like some like pleasure metrics, um, that I'm like, cause you know, yeah. I, I definitely track certain things like in particular, I'm looking at how much sleep I'm getting. I'm looking at how many steps I'm getting, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. It's almost like, what are the metrics that, that indicate that I am putting experiencing pleasure first and pleasure of all sorts, like yes. not just, you know, sexual pleasure, but pleasure of, of living my life and, and connecting yes. with people and all those kind of things. So it is, that, that makes me think that, that all of us could benefit from like looking at those more, especially when we're also looking primarily mm -hmm. at the stuff that's going wrong, <laughs> you know, yeah. having, having yeah. like metrics or, you know, metrics make people think they have to be quantitative. They don't have to be quantitative. Um, so that you can understand like, if I'm getting off track here, what does that look like? What does it look right. like when I am not putting pleasure in my important category of stuff? Um, yeah. so I can do something about it. Yeah. That's really smart. Yeah. For me, it's like, I'm like way like quicker to like see red, I'm way more irritable. I'm way frust more frustrated. I mean, one of the things I noticed like right away too, is like, I just have so much more self-doubt and like, I'm just down on myself more, right? Like if you look at just in general, our society, so much of the stress cycle, so much of like the way that we're in this constant simmer and this, you know, state of being all of the time could be cured by an infusion of pleasure, period. Yeah. Like it, it has been shown in the way that pleasure and the way that we experience all. And I like to think of it, not sexual, but sensual pleasure, like actual through the five senses of pleasure, like that does actually create changes in your body and how it's, and it connects you to, to your body, to the felt sense. And so all of those things, you know, really, they really add up and have a compound effect. And I can find, find out real quickly. I'm like, Oh yeah, there it is. I, <laughs> this, like, I need to spend some time with my senses because I am yep. not there at all. Yeah. No, everything's wrong. I, I have no everything. clothes to wear. I hate my hair. I hate my house. My dog's bothering me. My children, they're like, ah. and I'm like, Oh wait, it's actually none of that. I just need like, <laughs> That, that vitamin me when, P. I don't, when I, when I, <laughs> on average, I'm getting less than seven hours and approximately 15 minutes of sleep over it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, for sure. Like, and, and I think we have different circumstances, all of us that lead to that. And probably yeah. when you combine them is when, when everything explodes and you want to, you want to like run away and I don't know, yep. join, join a circus or something. Yep. Yep. Um, you mentioned, you know, you're someone who has kids, you know, a dog, you have a busy life. What I can already hear one of the objections because, and I'm sure you get this one mm -hmm. a lot too, which is, you know, I don't have time for this, or it, it isn't as important as getting all this shit done. How am I going to fit it in with, you know, it's a very classic thing. And it, yeah. all of us have been there. Like all of us have thought yeah. that about at least something at some point in our lives. So what is your response to that? Well, this is going to sound very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> You sound dramatic never. I know, I know. Well, I mean, a lot of times I'm just like, first, my first response is like, well, let's question why that is. Like why we really believe, right? Like that we do not have enough time to enjoy our lives or enjoy the commitment that we've made or enjoy being present with our children. Like, why do you really think that spending like another 45 minutes on sending emails is more important than spending some time you know, laughing with your kids outside or being naked with your partner in bed, right? Like, let's get real for a second. The other thing that I like to just think about is um, really going to the extreme of like end of life. And again, like I said, I'm going dramatic, but like really extreme of end of life. Cause I've had multiple people, you know, in my life that have had their partners with unexpected deaths or to happen too soon, or even watching my grandparents, you know, who are in their eighties, they had amazing life and they get to the end. None of the people that are having these like accidental deaths or illnesses, or even into life are thinking about like their only regrets are that they didn't enjoy more. It's never that they worked more or they, they got more done or that they had clean laundry or a clean house all the time. Like it comes back to the people and the relationships they loved and how present they were and how many memories they created. And I've never heard anybody, and maybe this could be wrong, that gets to their end of life and was like, damn it, I wish I didn't have as much sex. Good sex. <laughs> I laugh because of course yeah I know right <laughs> I really wish I had loved yeah that. I mean maybe I can my brain of course goes to like the hilarious the example which yeah. is like someone like Nietzsche having syphilis and being like well maybe I should I guess maybe it's like I should have had that protected sex or something protected <laughs> sex but like yeah. that's the only but like good romantic passionate <laughs> yeah. playful with your partner central no experiences yeah. like no, but a lot of times people get and they're like, oh, like I, I recently had somebody um, that I know in my community whose wife passed and it's like very unexpectedly in less than a year got cancer and died. And I don't want to bring a damper on this, but it was something that was brought up and talked about because and for her, like, I don't get to like, cause I'm so sick. It's like, that's the only thing I really want to do right now is make love to my husband. And it's just, it makes me sad that all these other opportunities I had to, and I didn't cause oh, now, yeah. and, and now she's gone, you know? And so it's just like, I, I do think about that often and, you know, being 
trained a lot from in the Buddhist community and the mindfulness, like doing a death meditation was a huge part of our practice. And um, I still come back to that. Like it can be really hard and emotional and painful, but it quickly brings into perspective for me what my priorities truly are. And I think, especially for those of us who love doing lots of different things, I think it's also a really good question to ask yourself if like you having trouble deciding as, as sort of grim as it is, like, which of these things am I going to be thrilled if, you know, next year I get, I know I have a year to live, which of these things am I going to be thrilled that I did, which of these things am I going to want to do more of? Um, and using that as one of the filtering criteria, because yeah, life is in fact short. Um, yeah. Much of much of uh, human existence is is grappling with the fact that we are all mortal. Which yes, you know, exactly. And guess what? Like, there's going to be a time where you can't do all like the positions that you want, or putting your legs in certain ways. Like, yeah, you know what? If your <laughs> joints are great now. Then take advantage of it because it's like even I just turned forty one, and it's like even just in the last five years, like these things that I've noticed, you know, changing in my body, which is fine. Like, I'm going to keep finding pleasure, and I have you know, clients from the age of 20 up till 70. And so it's like, there's always this place that we can experience more pleasure in our body, but it will look different. So it's going to look different. The, you know, type of interactions that you can have sexually now versus five years from now versus 10 years from now. So like, enjoy it, like enjoy it now, enjoy it then keep enjoying it, but understand that they're all impermanent. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially when you get into obviously hormonal changes as a woman, you know, those happen though. You can't, you can't really prevent those from happening. Um, so just knowing that things are going to change and that there is, there is a bit of the like YOLO kind of, yeah, like I might not ever be able to do this again. Do I want to do it? If I could never do this again, is this something that, that I want to have said no to? Yes. Yes, exactly. And let's be real about our time. Like, what are you choosing to do with that half an hour instead? Right. Cause like not very many people I know are having sex for longer than 30 minutes sometimes, but let's be real about the amount of time here, 30, 45 minutes, a couple of times a week, probably just going to get filled with like nonsense anyway. Unless you're like maybe the president or like the secretary of state or something where like literally every minute of your life is like filled up and scheduled. Other than that, all of us have other things we're prioritizing instead. And I think being honest with yourself about what you're prioritizing instead, that was actually something I had to do recently that was very uncomfortable. That's like, what am I actually prioritizing? Oh, shit. (laughs) Looking at that list of like, what am I putting as a high priority? And what am I using as an excuse to not do these other things that I actually want to do? Um, and being honest with yourself about that and not, and not, you know, having any shame about it because lo and behold, yeah, not all of us are human. Way, just like no. curious. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because you can't, you can't know what's going on unless you look at it. You just can't. Exactly. Awareness exactly. is always the start. Um, so I could continue talking about all this stuff with you forever and, and um, I'm sure we will continue talking, but um, yeah. Is there anything else to wrap up that you think people should know or people don't know? Any misconceptions that you just want to correct? What would you like to add, if anything? Yeah, 
I mean, I, I think there's so much, um, like you said, we could be talking forever, but I think that the main thing is to just be really understanding, like if this has not been a priority of your life, which most people it's not. And if it's not even like on the top of like a priority list or anything like that is to understand that, especially if you were socialized as a woman, this is not something that we have been encouraged to do usually we've been shamed if we've even thought about it, right? And and even if we have been encouraged, it's out of duty or obligation, not for our own desire and our own pleasure. So like, if you're in this boat, like, oh, I haven't really thought about this, right? I'm not really having a lot of pleasure. Or if I'm not connecting with my body centrally, or if I'm not, you know, really owning my sexuality, like, welcome to the club. Like, really, this is like everybody. And- oh, yeah. This is the time that we get to change it because there is so many benefits, not just in your overall well-being and your outlook on life and your mentality and your enjoyment of life, but for your nervous system, for your body and for your brain. And we just get to start questioning all of the garbage that we've been fed about our sexuality and pleasure and how it's not important and decide that for you, it actually is. And how am I going to infuse my life with it more? Oh, so good. Especially the point about shame. I mean, I feel like that's a whole nother episode we could have at some point around sex and shame, but I'm going yeah. to give myself a celebratory, you know, high five right now, because I have a sex coach on my podcast and my mother, when I was a teenager, <laughs> when she discovered I was having sex, I believe verbatim, it was, this is the worst day of my life. And this is someone who like lost her, her, her father young and all that. So, yeah. so the fact that you are here, and we're talking about this, I'm going to give myself a high five for that because uh, yes, part, I'm of giving you a high five. part of feminism and part of, of uh, liberation for all humans is this, is recognizing that pleasure yes. for everyone is a right, probably. Yeah. I think I would be willing to call yeah. it a right and, and, and a source of liberation. So um, yes, thank you so much for chatting with us. Amen. <laughs> and um, it, how can people find you and how do they know if um, they should come and find you? So essentially tell people why they should come find you and where to find you. Um, well, you can find me on Instagram at the, ple uh, at the practice of pleasure. So that is my handle there. And you can also just go to my website, www.daniellesavory.com. Um, how to know. I mean, honestly, I just think it's like, do you want more pleasure in your life? You know, I think a lot of people assume that working with a sex coach or joining one of my programs is indicative that there's a problem. And I really want to switch that narrative in general, because the way that like sex therapy has always been presented, or even just general couples therapy is like, we are dysfunctional, or we have a problem instead of like, Oh, of course I want, like, I hope, you know, listening to Meg and I talk, it's like, get off this call and like, of course I want more pleasure in my life. Of course I want to, you know, experience my body in a sensual way. Of course I want to see like what my orgasmic capacity actually could be instead of there's a problem here that is to be fixed. I think that we can all benefit, um, especially those of us that are women 
to really see what our pleasure, like what I like to call our pleasure potential is, because Mm. that's what we get to show up in the world in the biggest, boldest way is when we are the most nourished and supported by our pleasure and our ability to receive it. Oh, I fucking love it. Everyone should go in and work with Danielle. Uh (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yes. So if you're loving the podcast, please leave me a review. I'd be thrilled. I look at them all. And it's one of the best ways to make sure that other Black sheep feel seen, feel heard, feel validated. So leave me a review. Thanks so much. Thank you.